the dog. Dog dies. Oh, oh, that yeah. was awful. I remember too, as we were as soon as we were watching, I was like, I think this dog dies. <laughs> that's um yeah. that that's a, it's actually the prequel to John Wick. Um that was his dog. <laughs> was he a good dog? Who, who, can, say? Yeah. Oh, yeah. who can say? Oh yeah. When I was say. watching Akira, the dog died, like they shot a dog and I was like, That's how John Wick happened. Oh man. That's just what I say now whenever a dog dies. You gotta be careful. You don't want to create another John Wick. No, mm-hmm. well, it's only one I, I would like you. that. <laughs> I like. I like. That's true. I'm excited watching. for John Wick Four. But yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so we'll kind of just get into it by. I just have to start saying things, and then Ben will be like, "I don't know how to start this. It's uh, maybe something like." That's a yeah. You know what? I'll go with that. I don't know how to start the podcast yet, as you guys know. So it'll either be what we just did or something like, "Welcome to Late to the Movies." My name is Ben Holden. This is a podcast where my friends and I get to fill in our movie blind spots. Every week we'll pick a movie that either I or a guest hasn't seen before and really should have by now. This week, continuing summer camp month with our third episode of that theme is Moonrise Kingdom. There are mul- yeah, there are multiple camps. It takes place in summer, so I say it counts. Um yeah. Yeah. There's definitely like summer town camp. Business. It's a camp. There's houses, it's whatever. It is definitely summer camp. Yeah. I think so. I've never went to a summer, summer camp, but if I did, I bet it would be like that. It's, it's more about escaping summer camp, but that's that counts. Yeah. I think we know people who've probably gone to the summer camp, or at least the one, whatever. We'll get into all that. Will, Will did. Will did. <laughs> yeah, Will did. We, we didn't have summer camp in Fall River. <laughs> no. <laughs> I played in the driveway. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes that sounds we went about to right. Kennedy Park. There you go. Um, before we get into it, as always, I like to ask you guys if you've seen anything interesting, fun, whatever lately. I use a different descriptor every time, so, you know, do with that what you will. Oh, we finished the third season of The Boys. We did. Oh, finally. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it took us. We were a little late on it. We, we moved. We were busy. We also wanted to wait for it to all come out so we could binge ben it. Ben and I watched, like, multiple seasons in a couple days. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah, we just yeah. hit it and quit it. It's he, a very bingeable did, uh, he show. He was a little though. more impressive than me, but I still I was like four episodes into season two, and then like by the next day, I was like, oh, I'm I'm out of episodes. Yep. <laughs> it's very bingeable. It is very yeah. bingeable. It's yeah. very bingeable, but I honestly don't mind watching that show weekly. I feel like after every episode, it leaves me with a lot to think to think about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I do wonder how I'd have felt about it if I had watched it like as it was coming out, and I guess for the next season, I'll find out. Mm-hmm. Robbie did, and he enjoyed it a lot because he yeah. said he was on like Reddit every day after every episode, seeing what people's like theories were and what people thought was going to happen next. Yeah, like that. I bet that's a lot of the fun of it. That I I didn't get that experience because I binged it. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll see next year. I see a lot of screenshots of tweets that are very <laughs> amusing. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of tweets. Yeah, all of a sudden a lot of Homelander reaction gifts on the the old Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I've watched a lot of stuff recently. I think that was like all we've watched. Well, this is your second episode of the podcast in a row, so you've had to watch That's some true. movies. So I watched two movies. We went to go, or I, I, we both separately went to go see Nope. Yeah. Um, I watched Akira. I watched the rest is I think mostly anime. A lot of stand up too. Oh, nice. Pretty much like everything on Netflix. I just try to. Yeah, we went to see Tim Heidecker recently too. That, oh yes, that's, that's, that's right. Still within the last few weeks. Yep. Yeah. That's fun. Oh, our daughter started watching uh, Camp Cretaceous. Nice. On uh, Netflix. More camp movies, I mm-hmm. guess, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It well, like a it's, it's a Jurassic Park show. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's like a Netflix-produced Jurassic Park show. I guess it's summer camp, though, because like, it's a bunch of kids going to like camp at Jurassic World. Oh, that's kind of cool. I feel like I've seen clips how's, of this on that work Instagram. Out Poorly. Not yeah, not well. I mean, yeah. It is, if it works um, out well, it's not Jurassic Park. Right. It's yeah. weird because it seems like the production value on it's like pretty decent. Like they put some money into it, but at the same time, like it's like not good at all. <laughs> That's what people are saying about the um Resident Evil Netflix series. Really? Huh? Yeah. I watched one episode. Rob, Robbie said he liked it, right? But yeah. He I likes mean, everything. This was is geared to, t- towards quality. children. Yeah, but at this point, good. I've watched a lot of stuff geared towards children. And you can make good things that are yeah, geared yeah. towards children. Shrek. <laughs> it's not that bad, but it's just, I think it's like four seasons and it shouldn't be four seasons oh, wow. long. Four? Five. Five seasons? Whoa. Yeah. Five seasons. How, How many uh, episodes? A lot. Like, you know it's at least not good because season, none of us Jesus. have heard of this. <laughs> the thing is, yeah. it should like it, it should have resolved itself by now. Like, is I don't it, know how these kids are still in trouble. Is it like actually Jurassic Park 
canon or is it just yeah, yeah. a Jurassic so, Park type situation? No, it's literally like they're camping at Jurassic World as the Jurassic World movie is happening. So like oh, wow. okay. things that are happening in the movie, they're like in the background basically. So they're like seeing the events of the movie unfold. How How is that for kids? I guess is what I'm hung up on. Um, It's very much like it's not for kids. Like it's probably for like like 13 year olds no, no younger than probably that probably elementary okay. school y- young elementary school third fourth fifth you never grade. see the dinosaurs actually kill anybody and like the dinosaurs are constantly chasing the main characters but all the dinosaurs move you, out you like, just notice that there's less people as the it goes on <laughs> kind of <laughs> the dinosaurs move like at the same speed their running speed is the same as all the characters kind of thing you know what i mean okay I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, I don't know anything about it. It's not that. good. People do die, but you just it's a happens like off screen. Like they kind of allude to it. Yeah. Like any adult knows that this person was killed, but like I don't know. I'm just picturing like a, like in my mind the Rugrats, but every episode there's like one less main character and you're like <laughs> don't don't ask about Tommy. The main, nothing bad happens to the main characters ever. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Oh, oh my man. god. I was going to go binge it. <laughs> Have it's any of you guys watched the Resident Evil? I haven't yet. No. I saw it got really bad reviews. And I saw it got like I like Lance awful, Reddick, awful reviews. I watched the first episode and I was like, that was fine. Yeah, when I saw like Netflix advertise it to me, I was like, oh, cool. But I, I won't watch anything like that immediately that Netflix advertises me because they make everything look cool and then a lot of times it's junk. I just really like yeah. Resident Evil, so I was me like, too. Oh. Have you have you guys ever gotten into the movies? All of the, however, what, five or six yeah, movies Yeah, yeah. I are. actually watch more movies than games played. Yeah, I, I'm more into the... I think the, I've seen yeah. them all. I haven't seen the more recent ones where it kind of goes off the rails a bit. Well, how recent? Because maybe I didn't either. I might not even know that they exist. Well, there was one pretty recently. Oh, then I did not that see that. I don't, it's like not the Mia Jovovich one, which is like the main lady who's yeah. been in a bunch of them. It oh. was more of just like an adaptation of Resident Evil 1, I think. That just oh, came out pretty recently. I, I didn't see that. So I think was, I saw the first three, but I want to say there's like six of them, Corey. Oh, I'm, in like the main series. I think I've seen like four of them. I think Robbie mentioned in the last one, unexplicably, there's like a, a zombie dragon she fights. Yeah, it, <laughs> nice. it's like Fast and the Furious. You know, yes. they, they run out of things like we got to make this more intense. <laughs> yeah, there's a 2021 like back to basics one that's called Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City. Oh. That was actually like in theaters and stuff. Um, yeah, I guess trailer a 30% for that. 30% around tomatoes. Okay, but, there you go. So it's yeah. pretty good. But my understanding is it is sort of like Resident Evil 1. That's where it was all good still. I like the game. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, cool. Yeah. Uh, what have I been watching? I was going to, in sort of, uh, as a companion piece to Moonrise Kingdom, I was going to watch some French New Wave films. Like, I had the 400 blows in my hand and was like, hmm. And then I watched the new Predator movie on Hulu um, <laughs> called Prey. And that's, that's what I do with my time instead. I really want to watch that. It's super good. I super recommend it. Um, yeah, it's really good. So it's uh, we we talked about it in the last episode Dan Trachtenberg who did Ten Cloverfield Lane, the playtest episode of Black Mirror. Um, he's worked on The Boys. He directed the pilot, and uh, yeah, it's he's like one of those guys that I've seen a decent amount of his work, and I always like it. And it just doesn't seem like he's gotten like a really cool script to make into a movie yet. I hope he does soon because uh, Prey's really cool. It's I don't know. I don't want to give away too much because there's not much to the plot. It's it's like one of its better qualities is that it's very simple. There's starting after about a half hour, the remaining 90 whatever minutes is almost dialogueless. It's just like really cool action and it's pretty much just a hunt. It's like a chase. Hmm. That sounds pretty yeah. cool actually. Like how Fury Road is mostly just a chase. Mm-hmm. Same idea, but it's mostly just like a hunt. Um, It's with an all native casts. It's in there's a Comanche dub of it in on on Hulu, which is pretty cool. It looks awesome. It's in the 1700s in the Great Plains, thinking like Montana. Mm. Uh, so it's gorgeous. It's and very interesting. Yeah, the 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 kind of uh, I guess controversial thing about it is it was a searchlight picture or 21st century whatever the pseudonym is for former Fox movies that Disney bought. 
And if they put them in theaters, then they have to go on HBO Max first. But if they don't put them on theaters, they can just put it directly on Hulu. So because of this like competition and stuff and Disney not wanting to put one of their movies on HBO Max, even if it means they can't put it in theaters, it's not in theaters. And I don't know. I feel like it would work. That's really interesting. It's a big action movie that has like lots of like beautiful landscapes and a big sense of scale and stuff. And you got to watch it on your TV, but um, which is kind of disappointing, but whatever. I I, I hope a lot of people watch it anyway. Hmm. You might have sold me on it. I, I liked it a lot. Yeah. I'll add it to the list. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's it uh, <laughs> it's a real good action movie with some cool set pieces. It has a starring performance by uh, an actress who I wasn't that familiar with. I guess she was on Legion and uh, she's awesome in it and uh, get gets you in and out under a hundred minutes. So, Ooh, that's a big sign. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> In an, it's in an not out. three hours long? No, it's not. <laughs> Just for you, Ben, I'll, I'll watch this. Okay, cool. So it's uh, with the credits an hour 40, so. Well, are we ready? Can we talk about Moonrise Kingdom? I, we super duper can. Ready. Well, I wasn't born ready because I just watched it a few days ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk about Moonrise Kingdom now. This is the first Wes Anderson we'll be talking about. This is a movie that I saw in theaters, the first Wes Anderson movie I saw in theaters, and I have loved it ever since. How about you guys? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> me and Ray watched it together somewhere one time on a cruise maybe or something like oh, that cool. at night or something. Good and cruise we, movie. Yeah. Uh, we had watched it because we had watched um, the Grand Budapest for Oscars. So we had watched that and we were like, wow, this movie is awesome. And then someone, it might have been you, was like, oh, all his movies are like this. And then we were like, okay. So we like ended up just picking this one. Uh, and watched it, and that was me several years ago. It almost been like four yeah. years ago. And this was new for you, right? Yep. Cool. Yep. Watched it on Saturday morning. Yeah. Nice. Have you seen any of his other movies? I think so, but... I now, can't. you seemed really excited to watch this movie. Why were you so excited to watch it? Uh, because I like things that aren't just like everything else, basically. <laughs> um, anything that like branches from the norm and has like some creative aspects, I'm like pretty excited to watch. Um, and yeah. this, like, you know, the coloring in this movie is very unique. Okay. Um, just like the, it's got, it's got a different vibe. <laughs> I know that's not a very descriptive way of putting it, but like, you know, oh, even without watching a Wes Anderson movie, if you just like have seen clips, you're like, oh, okay, I'd, I know what he's about. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I think that we're all going to be saying a variation of I just love the vibe of this throughout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, before we get too into it, who wants to do a one-minute plot summary? I can. Okay. Whenever you're ready. Okay, so uh, our, our movie opens up. Uh, some random narrator tells us the ending of the movie. There's going to be a big storm that's about to wash everything away on this island. <laughs> uh, starts out a little scout camp, the Khaki Scouts. One of the scouts has escaped Shawshank style uh, and he's on the run. We learn that he's met a girl who lives on the island. They're running away together because they're both different. No one understands them. And all the other scouts and the police officer are like chasing them down. The rest of the movie is just them being chased down and caught and then escaping and you kind of learning about their struggles and why they're different and this whole little adventure they go on and it culminates with this flood happening and them almost jumping into the floodwaters until, you know, this police officer and these other people have kind of come together and uh, kind of help them with these the problems they've had throughout this the movie. And uh, we get a little bit of a happy ending in the end, for the most part. Well, we don't. He does. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty much exactly a minute. Good job. Yeah. I was <laughs> counting while I was nailed uh, talking. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> um, yeah, this movie, I think, well, a lot of Wes Anderson movies, especially the last several he's done, uh, they sort of, when you're reading about them in pre-production production or whatever, jump off the page because of their cast lists. And this movie's no different, obviously. Fire. Yeah, it's fire, right? So there's um, Bill Murray and Florence. How can you? <laughs> Bill Murray's. I know. Um, this is the, yeah, you've done a Bill Murray before. You hated it. I did hate it last time, but I like Bill Murray. <laughs> oh, I, I, I thought you were just going to say you hate Bill Murray. I was like, oh, well. No, no he, it was uh, Caddyshack. I'm going to have to leave, I guess. I don't know. I did not like Caddyshack. 
Um, but yeah, Marie, uh, Francis McDormand mm-hmm. won like two of the last four Best Actress <laughs> yep. Oscars, I think, at this point. Um, Bruce Willis, Edward Norton, uh, Tilda Swinton for a little bit there. Yeah, a little the tiny end. bit. <laughs> she sneaks in. And and a lot of other people, but the um, the son from the nephew from Manchester by the Sea. Yeah, Lucas Hedges, uh, yes. ba- baby Lucas Hedges is in this. Um, but uh, yeah, all, all that to say, the people who you know make this movie what it is are the two main characters who are are both the and introducing people. They hadn't been in anything like this before, obviously. I don't I don't remember them from like much else. I feel like the girl was in something else well oddly enough she's in manchester by the sea she's oh, she's yeah, one yeah, of yeah. uh lucas hedges girlfriends yes and that's who's and she stabs lucas hedges in this movie yes so i guess they <laughs> reconciled but yeah fire cast i like basically I, I feel like i always love ed norton and basically everything so i can i can agree with that yeah he's always great i, I really why. enjoyed him in this too i really liked his character he his character is really good. He like takes his little role as do they just call him Scoutmaster or whatever? Like just the right amount of serious Scoutmaster Ward, yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, especially to like even when uh, he's looking for Sam in the beginning, <laughs> he's in his tent. <laughs> that scene always kills me, and he pulls the little map down, and there's a hole. <laughs> yeah, that's. So funny. I feel like that's so so funny. funny. And there's so much of this movie and a lot of uh, across Wes Anderson's movies that are just like so funny and understated. And people are always talking about people. I don't mean to straw man this early, but a lot of critics are talking about how his movies are like all form and no soul, really. And it's like, they're so funny, though. And there's like emotion and whatnot. But yeah, he... Jiminy Cricket, he flew the coop. That yes. always makes me laugh. So I love to. One of the scouts. It's so unnecessary. He's in a tent. He got a yeah. hole in the side. It's so funny. It's so funny. And the fact, too, that he did it like Shawshank style, like, just kills me. Yeah. Zipped from the inside. Yeah. And then, like, at one point, one of the scouts asks uh, him, he's like, what's what's your real job? He's like, I'm a math teacher. He goes, no. My, uh, my real job is I'm a scout master or something. Like that. I want to revise my previous answer. Yeah. I want to revise. Yeah. I, th- I, I teach me. on the side. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's how scoutmasters really are. A lot of them. So I it just it killed me. Yeah, I think there's there's a thing with both him and Bruce Willis in this movie that they're not really playing to their previous types or stuff that you know, not really roles that I've seen them in other things. And I feel like there's just a a kind of verve to what they're doing. Bruce Willis especially playing a sort of subversion of the ultimate tough guy cop. Mm-hmm. As this kind of just like sad sack cop. Yeah, he's yeah. a sad sack cop. Yeah. Who's just like, he seems like a nice enough guy, but he's also kind of a loser. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not like in a bad way, but just like he loses. Yeah. He he has lost. Um, and most things seemingly in his life. He lives on a small boat. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even have a house. Yeah. I noticed when whoa, whoa, Sam. Whoa, 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 whoa. Houseboat? Yeah. Come on. What's it's a sick. houseboat, but. When he, he lets go wherever he wants. Sam stay with him for the night, and Sam's like sleeping in his bed. Bruce Willis is like just on the floor in the ki- like yes. he's just laying on the floor. There's like no, there's no other spot besides his bed where you could lay in his his home. Yeah, his his <laughs> his living situation is specifically designed so no one else can ever share it with him. Yes, he's like in a like a little hallway basically. Yeah, he's just laying down. He's in a Brooklyn apartment. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so yeah, there's just something about the way. For Willis and for Norton, that this is just like a pitch that that I didn't know they had in their repertoire, and uh, now that we know that Bruce Willis is is retired from acting because of um, his mental condition, uh, I feel like we sort of were robbed of a whole second career of him as a character actor doing roles like this because he doesn't really do anything else like this yeah. before he's just making like the red box action movies that he's been making for the last like ten years or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to get too far past this, though. So you you mentioned having knowledge of how Scoutmasters are. Uh, maybe it's time to get into that. I'm not too much into it, though, you know. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. Um, so you used to work for the Boy Scouts of America? I did for is a long the, time. Is that the technical name? Yes, yep, the Boy Scouts of America. Cool, how was that? Uh, <laughs> it was an experience. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this movie... Some of it was filmed at the camp that I used to work at. That's so, that's cool. Yeah. So it was basically all of um 
oh, I'm forgetting the name of the the place now, but the secondary ca- scout camp that they went to. Um, uh, yeah, the Fort, Fort Lebanon. Lebanon, yeah, Fort, Fort yeah, Lebanon. Fort Lebanon. That was all um, filmed in Rhode Island. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first fort, which is Camp Ivanhoe, Camp is Ivanhoe. Uh, farmland in South Kingston, I think. The most interiors are filmed in a shopping, in a, like a vacant shopping center in Middletown, Rhode Island. Um, a lot of it is in Jamestown, I think some of the exteriors so yeah it's uh a movie that was filmed really close to us and so um i think we all deserve ownership of it i guess is what I I'm drive saying. to all those places <laughs> in like mm-hmm. 15 minutes yeah it's, it's cool. kind of funny too because i like i don't know when they were describing the island they tell you the little map and they show you like all the things about it it made me think a lot about prudence island you know the mm. little island in the middle of rhode island there and there's like I don't know. There's only like a hundred people that live there and you have to get a ferry there. And that's a real place. Yeah. So it made me, it made me, I don't know. It made me think of that place. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff that you can't get there from here. The kind of isolated feeling of a lot of those smaller islands that aren't so much the touristy ones that people go to off the Southern coast of new England that we're more familiar with. Population of 88. Yeah. <laughs> we we had this recently. We were uh my sister and I were going to Bristol and over the Mount Hope Bridge you can see a small island that has like a few houses on it. And um it's it's just like a seasonal population. There's only people there in the summer. And same deal, you have to take a ferry there. You can't there's like no bridges. It's like a once a day ferry or whatever. Yeah. Oh, you don't want to go like, to those places. That's where like all the movies happen. I know, you're, right? You're gonna, vampires like, are going to suck your blood. Yeah, but it could be this one too. When they talk about it at the beginning, they're like, oh, there's only a ferry twice a day. And Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And not only just like the vampires. What if you like fall out of a tree and break your arm? It's like, well, oh, yeah, you're just, ferry's yeah. not here until 5 <laughs> p.m. Yeah. Or someone it's 11. stabs you in the kidney with a pair of scissors. Yeah. <laughs> all right, just sit tight. We'll get... Well, yeah, eventually. You got to be in tight with the seaplane guy. Yeah, <laughs> I, brings the mail. I can't even think about this movie without, like, I'm just sitting here, like, chuckling to myself right now, thinking about, like, what I want to say about this movie. It's just, like, this movie just kills me. It's so funny. It's, it's so, so funny. So uh, Susie's played by Kara Hayward, just to have that on recording, because I don't think I said it before. And Sam's Jared Gilman. Uh, what do you What do you want to say about the movie that's so funny? I don't know. I just yeah. like there's just I feel like every scene, even like just right off the start where they introduce like Edward Norton's character and he's doing like the inspection of the God, camp. It's so cool. It's so good. Even like he's like walking, you know, and they were following along with him. We uh, I noticed at some point he goes over to a, like I forget what he's inspecting, but there's a no smoking sign and he has a cigarette the whole time <laughs> and he just holds it out like towards the where the camera would be like for us. And that's all he does. And he like kind of leans a little bit while he's inspecting their, what their station. And then he goes to look, what are you, what are you doing with all that wood? Building a tree house. The camera like just pans up and it's like 200 feet up. Why'd you build it at that altitude? Where would you have built it? Lower. Him, like, build it lower. <laughs> Lower. Like, oh. <laughs> and then when they're in it later, like a wall just falling off of it. <laughs> the yeah. wall just falls off of it. And they like don't mention it. <laughs> yeah. I like when he does the the other inspection when everybody's gone. And he's just like walking through. He's like, wait. He's sitting for like breakfast. He doesn't even notice there's no one there cooking his breakfast. He's like, wait, where's my food? <laughs> yes. Yeah. For some reason, I was really expecting. I've seen this before, but I didn't remember everything. I was expecting for that scene when he walked by all the tents to them for them all to have holes cut out in them, oh, <laughs> the, but they great. don't. Yeah. We also get a good laugh too in the beginning when they're eating breakfast together because it looks like the Last Supper. They all sit on one side <laughs> of the table. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. It's better for the shot. Yeah, it's better yeah. for the shot. Yeah. I really love the way that he plays that character. I think because, yes. like what Ben said, it's just not really Ed Nortony, but it's also just very scoutmaster like. Like I feel like I've know people that do this. Like they do their inspections like this, but they're I don't know, and they're like, yeah, my my real job is scoutmaster. <laughs> they're usually a little bit more obnoxious than he is. Where he, this guy seems to be like really like I don't know, down to earth, good hearted, and like yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of the scoutmasters I feel like are on a, a little bit of power trip, but. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know the the inspections and things like that's stuff what they all do with the Boy Scouts and it's just I don't know it's it's really funny watching it from somebody else's point of view. Yeah, I I, I think that scene's probably a good way to break into the 
the the Anderson look, the way things feel and move and his camera pans and people facing directly at the camera and then 90 degree angles and the color a lot of yellow in this movie this movie is very very yellow very golden hued yep i feel like i'm nostalgic not smart enough to talk about what he does to make this all work but it really like the way the camera moves and stuff is like it just i'm really i really vibe with it and then his whole like production like the sets are just awesome. I feel like every single thing looks like it's a miniature model. But then every now and then someone will come out of it. And I'm like, okay, I guess this is just how you do it looks. <laughs> like I feel like yeah. every set piece looks like it's like a miniature model of something. Well, it's like a almost lot, lot whimsical, but like are, not but whimsical. Even, yes. At the same time, somehow. Even, even when they're not miniatures, they just look like they are. Yeah. I guess to fit in like with all the miniatures. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a sense of between like the golden hue thing and the kind of almost fantastical parts of it that you can almost imagine that it's like one of these two kids thinking about it today this thing that happened 60 years ago yeah um and how they might remember it how it might look in their mind's eye but um yeah so there are a lot of miniatures used in the production most notably maybe not most notably but the scene where the dam collapses they just build like a small one mm-hmm. yep <laughs> just fun um but uh, yeah, yeah. So what he does in a lot of his compositions, they're, I'm not a cinematography guy. I didn't pay that much attention in film history class because that wasn't my major. I just have to take it to check it off the box. Now I wish I kind of had, whatever. Um, so his images are very flat. There's not like the background's not blurry. The foreground's not sharper, right? It's all in focus and it's all meticulously designed and balanced and there's a lot of symmetry a lot of times pops of color and yeah it's a thing that no one else really does and to the to the point where there's a, actually a pretty good SNL parody trailer for a Wes Anderson movie uh from a few years ago if you just google like Wes Anderson SNL horror trailer it, yeah his style is so specific i feel like it'd be really easy to make like little parodies of it mm. yeah and and what a lot of people in, in the snl one kind of comes down on is the sort of twee elements and uh, i mean there's no neither of the wilson brothers are in this but owen wilson and tilda swinton are in a lot of his movies and um yeah and and this one's i don't know even though this one's about children and it's about the 60s it's not it's not that twee i don't think it's that like cloyingly saccharine as some uh, might suggest his his vibe sometimes is. So, I, don't I don't know. I just love this movie. This is, you, you mentioned before about the vibe. I think this is the movie of his that I most like being immersed in. It's just like a really cool headspace to be in for an hour and a half. I think a lot of it comes down to like the comedy in this movie is just like the kind of comedy I really like. I don't know how you describe it. I don't know if you'd say it's dry or just like. Deadpan. Deadpan, yeah. yeah. Like and it moves on so fast. Yeah. yeah, it just it just keeps going. I love like when he uh when Sam goes to Susie in the tent and he's like, I made you these earrings. <laughs> he holds them up <laughs> and they're just like beetles on fish hooks. And he's like, Are your ears pierced? <laughs> She's like, No, just pierce them. <laughs> and it yeah. cuts to her like screaming as he's putting this thing in and she looks at it and she goes, I love it. Do the other one. <laughs> yeah with the line of blood yeah, trickling down, yeah. down but they never give you like any time to react to it they just move on <laughs> yes it just happened and it keeps going <laughs> yeah everything's just so intentional yeah like to the point where, where even you said it, it was is. filmed very flat in the sense of like i imagine he wants you to see everything yeah like even he does like he doesn't want to blur the background because he meticulously laid out the background so yeah which is interesting because normally when you film things flat like that, it doesn't look as good. Like it doesn't feel, you know, as like dynamic. It's just like a like I, I don't know. Yeah, it's he's he's. It break- doesn't work normally. Normally that's just bad. He's, <laughs> he's breaking all the rules. You're not supposed to have characters square up to the camera. You're supposed to be at like an angle and showing depth. And he just doesn't care about that. Yeah. I think it, it works. It's it's very cohesive. It all oh, like yeah. it's it all fits. consistent too. It's like. Mm-hmm. So it just really all kind of works together. And uh, of all his movies, maybe this and, and Budapest are the ones that I feel like really do build to like a real climax in a way that some of his kind of don't. Um, and I, I, I really like just the, the way this movie moves. I, I just love it. 
Yeah, it's it's paced really well. We I've only ever seen this one in Grand Budapest for his movies, and I absolutely love both these movies. Yeah, those are two of the top three or four for me easily. So you you're, you're hitting the highlights, no doubt. Um, I think I actually saw that dog movie. Isle of Dogs. Uh, I, I Isle of name. Dogs. But yeah, if you yeah, say yeah, it okay, fast, yeah. it sounds like I love dogs. Yeah, I thought you were just saying I love dogs. Yeah, and I, was I guess like, that's the uh, joke of it. <laughs> Which uh, is funny. Yeah, yeah. I liked that movie. It's it's kind of divisive, I guess, because it's his second stop motion mo- movie, and it's probably not as good as Fantastic Mr. Fox, but I still liked it. I haven't seen that. That one's good, too. Um, I like all his movies, but so the I guess it's a good time to talk about the kind of book on him when this movie came out is that um, not his first movie, but that's Bottle Rocket. Then Rushmore with uh, younger Jason Schwartzman comes out, and that's sort of Bill Murray getting into a dramatic zone for one of the first times that a lot of audiences had seen him in that. And uh, he just kind of explodes and people are like, oh, this is the the kind of uh, heir apparent to all this kind of arty vibe, but it's pretentious and unpretentious at the same time. It's sort of funny, but also serious. It's kind of childish, but also mature all at once. And then by the time this movie comes out, People had thought he had kind of squandered it. A lot of people don't really like what he did in between. Um, there's a lot of detractors of like the Life Aquatic and Darjeeling Limited, for instance, are the two that people probably mention the most. Even though I like those movies, I can see what people are saying with that. Uh, Royal Tannenbaums, I like a lot too, but it's the same deal. People like it, but they're like, ah, it's not as good as Rushmore. But I feel like this is when he kind of recaptures it. Since then, he's also made Grand Budapest, uh, Isle of Dogs, most recently, French Dispatch, mm-hmm. another one coming supposedly at the end of this year or next year. And yeah, so I don't know. So when this movie comes out, there's a lot of people who are kind of doubting him. And this sort of sets them straight, I guess. Hmm, I'm glad. It was a good movie. Yeah, me too. I like um, Susie's whole like family dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that the two parents are lawyers and just like talk to each other with legal jargon <laughs> the whole time. Even when they're like, they have their like emotional moment, they're still like doing it through like weird legal jargon. It's just who they are. Yeah, yeah. They're they're like pillow talk. Is did you was did they judge grant the continuance in the whatever case? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's that's another thing there. It's just introduced with them like calling each other counselor and yes, just in like the most mundane situations, arguing like they're in a courtroom, mm-hmm. and it's like funny, but there's like depth to it as it goes that isn't always given credit to Wes Anderson movies. There's, there's a depth there, even though it's a pretty simple story with the two parents. Um, I just think that scene when they're, when, you know, it's nighttime and the storm's starting up and you hear like get outside and, you know, Francis McDormand says they're all, we're all they've got. And Mm -hmm. Bill Murray says it's not enough. And they just like, leave it there. You're like, okay, (laughs) that's a cool scene. (laughs) Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of tragedy in all of these in like every adult in this movie's life besides maybe Tilda Swinton. <laughs> yeah, her, I guess there is a lot of tragedy in her life, but it does not bother her. <laughs> she is the tragedy, right? She she like is the tragedy. <laughs> she is social services. Yeah, I like yes. too that her name her is, name her is name social, social services. services. Yeah. She just personified yes. social yes. services. <laughs> and if you've met any um, like social worker, you know they. Just in the the highest couture at all times, <laughs> wearing capes and whatnot to their day job. <laughs> but yeah, I did. I really like Bill Murray in this. Yeah, it's nice because I hated him last time I was on the podcast. So. Well, yeah, and his runs, I guess. I don't know. He's he was like semi canceled, I guess, and I'm pretty sure he was replaced on the Wes Anderson movie that's being made right now. So I don't know. I guess that that run might be over because he was inappropriate on a couple film sets, I guess. Oh, I think I remember hearing something. Yeah. I don't know. Um, But yeah, yeah, dude, this movie's great. I feel like this is kind of a different role for him, too. I mean, he's done like some things like this, but he was very like depressed and dry the whole time, you know? Um, So this is 2012. We should mention this is the 10 year anniversary of uh, this movie is 2022. And, uh, yeah, in the 10 years since, I don't think it's aged at all, but that's his post loss in translation for Mari, I think. And obviously post Rushmore, like we mentioned before, I think but 
All I can think of when I think of Bill Murray in this movie is when <laughs> they find the kids on the beach and the kids like unzip the tent and see them all coming. And he's just Sam Hardy's like zip the zips tent. it back up. And Bill Murray Bill Murray just picks the whole tent up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that too. His his character is just like maybe drunk, maybe just dazed, yeah. walking around in like an impotent rage and like yelling and stuff, and then just like immediately getting sad and trudging away. <laughs> well, at one point too, he's got like a black eye and they're real quick about it. Yeah. And people are like, well, what happened? And they like he fell. And then the Bruce Willis asked the wife, he's like, Did did, did you did you do that? She's like, No, no, he he actually fell. He was looking for in the dark. She took the extra batteries from the flashlight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. It, yeah, because she had mentioned that she had extra batteries too earlier. Yeah. She did. I don't know. Those jokes, they did they go right to my funny bone. I can't yeah. I can't handle yeah. them. Everything. And it's so not funny. Even, it's not even like a joke to part of that scene, but when Francis McDormand and Bruce Willis are talking and talking about like, oh, he's on to us. And she's like, aren't you worried? She's like, of course I'm worried. Um, you Between them in the background, you just see Bill Murray like on a bicycle, like trying to balance or whatever. Like, like, there's no joke to the scene. Mm-hmm. There's a kind of like heightened, somewhat affected way that if all the characters are speaking to each other constantly throughout the movie that has like some comedy to it, but there's not a joke. There's not a punchline yeah. there. I'm still laughing though. I also like that. Like you don't notice it, but it's kind of high stakes too, because the whole time they keep refer- referring to the fact that they're going to like give the kid electroshock therapy. Cause that's what brings like all the, that's that's they eventually get. To yeah. That. All the other scouts like come and join him eventually. And it's when they're like, why are we always so mean to him? He's, he's a poor orphan boy. We, we can't let him get his brain zapped or whatever. Yeah, and of course he is uh, hit by lightning twice in this movie. <laughs> yes. Mm. <laughs> and he just gets up every time. He goes, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Oh God. So the, that first time he gets hit by lightning is after the, or I guess at the end of the Fort Lebanon sequence where they go see um, Jason Schwartzman, who they try and pay with $76 worth of nickels. Yes. Um, <laughs> that's, my <laughs> that's, that's my fee. That's um, my fee. Yeah. So are there like 30-year-olds that are kind of just mixed in with the kids like he was in that movie? I mean, if they're like a counselor, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if he was. He just it seems like, like he was just around. In there. It's right. like, yeah. um, no, I not. like how serious he was and he was just down for all of it. He was like, yeah, yeah okay. Well, legally you yeah. can't do that, but you know, I can, I can, I'll yeah. do what I can. Hey, before you answer again, you go, go by the trampoline and you think about this for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> they and come back. Like, We're ready. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, it shows them like at the trampoline and there's like a kid just jumping on in the background. Yeah, that that kid is legitimately a state champion trampoliner. That According trampoline, to the special features, I don't know if it's that trampoline is not there in real life. I'm very disappointed about that. Oh, yeah, he just like I don't think you could let kids do that because no. he that's a he does jump liability. from like <laughs> the tower of the building onto the trampoline. Yeah. He's like 15 feet in the air doing flips and stuff. Yeah, I um I don't know it too. It's real quick, but well before the scene where. They finally, the other scouts are like hunting him and they catch up with them. And he's, yeah, we're jumping all over the place, yeah. but you should, as, as with every episode, you should watch the movie before you listen because we're just going to spoil. Yes. Um, when they finally meet up with him and they have the scene where he's like, you won't cross this line. And they like run out of a motorcycle and the dog and they get like a hatchet and a bow and arrow. And I love that they just cut to like, uh, a little like comic. It was like a, like a little pow kind of thing, and then it shows like the scissors, yeah. and there's like some noise. <laughs> yeah, and, and then it shows like the kids are running off, and one of them's bleeding, and yep. the they're dead dog. The, yeah, the dog's been shot, <laughs> and the, the motorcycle's in a tree. Um, she said something like, "I get carried away" or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Earlier than they've been kind of like comparing emotional scars or whatever. Or in in their correspondence montage, she talks about how she like has a temper or, or whatever. Yes, and then you see like she's straight up stabbing kids but without much second thought. I love this. <laughs> so she stabs him, and it just keeps coming back because when it shows him going to the hospital, they're like, "Oh, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. He's just he was just stabbed in the kidney or something." And when they talk to him later, she's like, "He stabbed a boy or something like that." Yeah. It's like, "Oh, he he's fine. He's just gonna have a little bit of kidney dysfunction," <laughs> and they just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> And then, like, at that chase scene, at 
for Lebanon, it starts because he bumps into the yeah. the kid in the med tent and he's got like the patch on his kidney and it's like bleeding. And when they go to fight, he, I don't know if you noticed, oh, yeah. like, he just stabs him in the kidney. Smart move. <laughs> Honestly, there's, there's something that, that I like a lot about this movie that feels true. That doesn't, that doesn't happen in a lot of movies that feature kids, which is, um, the kids are all like kind of weird and kind of brutal. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that is, I mean, this is set in the 60s, but thinking about it a lot in, in the Black Phone, the movie that just came out set in the 70s, um, the say, same thing. And like a lot of Stephen King books, there's kids that are just beating the shit out of each other, <laughs> which like doesn't happen that much in like current modern movies and stuff. Um, Boy Scouts are tough. Yeah. It, it, when they and then it's like, you can tell he's smart. And he's immediately just like, well, you have an open wound. I'm just going <laughs> to wail on it. Yes. I, when they're um, brutal. I think at one point they described the, the the fight that we don't get to see to the scoutmaster. And he says, I'm like, oh, he was quick. He dodged my tomahawk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like there's a lot I missed. Like, I didn't even, I don't think I noticed that. It just they're goes just, by so Yeah, quickly. they're just really quick. Yeah. Little, like, yeah. All, the, yeah, all the lines like that, there's no, there's not like a big reaction. Or, yeah, it's not like other characters laugh or anything. He just says it and then they just keep on going. And it's not like modern comedies where someone turns to the camera and goes, well, that happened. <laughs> Yeah, like exactly. They just say it and they just keep going. <laughs> he was quick. He dodged my tomahawk. <laughs> uh, awkward. <laughs> I feel like I miss a lot of jokes because I'm still laughing from the one that happened previously. Yeah. So. No, when, the first time we watched it, what Kill does for a long time, we kept referencing it. And it is not really that funny is when he's fishing for the turtle. And he scoops it out with the net and he takes the turtle and he goes, oh, like someone already wrote their name on this one. And he just tosses it back <laughs> in the river. It said like Daniel or something underneath it. Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. It like kills yeah, it's just it's just a weird thing. It's so weird. It's just so yeah. weird. They never say it anything. It doesn't else really about mean it. anything. It's no. just yeah. There's um, as we're this this section we're talking about the things that made us laugh. So it's cohesive, even if we're jumping around plot wise. Um, when Bruce Willis and Bill Murray get back to the house and Francis McDormand runs out and goes, she has a pen pal. They planned it together, and he sh- and she shows Bill Murray the letters. And he goes, what is this? She's like, well, he does most. He does watercolors, mostly landscapes, but some nudes. Some nudes. And Bill Murray looks at him and goes, she sit for this? <laughs> it's so funny. And they just move on. Yeah. It's just such a funny <laughs> Mostly landscapes. I just some love nudes. that he does. He just paints and he's like, I'm going to paint you nude. <laughs> yeah. like, Did you watch the Titanic or something? Or <laughs> his, uh, his, uh, Sam's character is just like so good because like, uh, just the way he's a child, but like the things he says obviously are not things a child would ever say. And like, I don't know the, the way he like delivers all his lines. It just kills me. Like the dog one. Was he a good dog? Who's to say? <laughs> yeah. He has this kind of like manner of speaking too, that it's like kind of stilted, but it's um, both of them are not giving like leading actor performances really they're both like very awkward but in a way that feels like well, there's an emotional truth to it i'm pretty sure they're like not like portraying non non-neurotypical children mm-hmm. they're which definitely would supposed be, to be very like awkward and oh yeah yeah that's how the anyway. characters are yeah yeah because that's why they're like kind of drawn to each other because yeah. they're both you know a little different which yeah. is cool. There's a roller coaster of emotions with that. Like you're like, oh man, this sucks. Like this kid's got no friends. He's like escaping on his own. And then you're like, oh, he met someone. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like it makes it hit harder too when all the kids are like, why are we such dicks to him? Yeah. Just because he's a little different, you know, we can't let his brain get fried. And you're like, oh, this is the, you know, this is nice that they like. Yeah. Before we knew he was a di- disadvantaged orphan. Yeah. They didn't know you. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I thought you were just weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you're weird and an orphan. We'll help you. I love that first call that they have with social service. Oh, not with social services yet. When they call what they think is his parents, and uh, he's just like, "Yeah, we're not going to be able to invite him back." And they're like, "What?" Uh, <laughs> there's no cause for alarm. Um, <laughs> Every time Bruce Willis is on the phone, it's like just yeah. the way he like talks and like he's like confused the whole time he's on the phone with everybody. Yeah. And again, a subversion, right? Because his most in his most famous role. John McClane, mm-hmm. that's him being a badass over a walkie-talkie. And this is him being like, 
just sort of a loser over over yes. a radio. <laughs> <laughs> now he's a loser over a radio. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was sad too because it's his, his dad, his foster parents being like, "Yeah, he, he can't come back." And I think like the next scene is him with Susie on the beach being like. I think I really fit in this time, you know. I, I so yeah, so <laughs> sad. I think things are really turning a corner with my my foster family. <laughs> he says he says we finally feel like a family. <laughs> yeah, we finally feel like and, a family. And that happens like forty minutes after you know that they don't that he's never going to see them again. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Where it's like, ugh, it's pretty fucked. <laughs> <laughs> there's some there's there's a lot of darkness in here, which which I really really like. Yeah. Yeah. The Susie having like the book too. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I forgot what it said on it, but dealing with your emotionally disturbed child or something like <laughs> yeah. that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and he laughs at her and she gets real mad. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty funny, actually. Yeah. I like that he doesn't really apologize, he just goes, I'm on your side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But I, I did like that too, because it's like, you know, they're they don't totally understand each other either. You know what I mean? Because he laughs at her and then later on she says something about how she wishes she could be an orphan. He's oh, like, yeah. he's like, you don't know, you know. Well, you're says, wrong. I love you, but you don't know what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. She just says, I love you too. Yeah. <laughs> that, so unrealistic. Yeah. That conversation is so good. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all in the same conversation when they were on top of that rock and talking about like, what do you want to be when you grow up and that, and it's just all... That that whole beach sequence when they're at what you later find out they call Moonrise Kingdom, uh, Tidal Inlet five point three or whatever it's called, um, yeah, that whole sequence is just like fucking magic. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, the the way they talk to each other is just like not like anything else. Yeah, you know, it's also right around there too that one of the things that kind of surprised me with this movie is um, while they're there. The scoutmaster and Bruce Willis and, you know, her parents are all trying to figure out where they could be. And the narrator from the beginning shows up. And I feel like that (laughs) always threw me off that, like... He's in this? That he, like, has a role in the the film. He's not just, like, some guy who gave us a little (laughs) bit of expedition in the beginning and, like, sprinkled throughout. I'm like, oh, he's, like... He's also, like, a real character. And that just makes it so much weirder, you know what I mean? He also (laughs) looks like a grown-up gnome. (laughs) <laughs> like if you were to take a gnome, but then made the gnome taller, that's yeah. what he reminded me of. <laughs> so that's a uh, legendary character actor, Bob Balaban. And there's a featurette on the Blu-ray. I promise I'm not trying to make you borrow it. <laughs> where um, one of the people who worked on uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, one of the, one of the French uh, filmmakers who worked on Fantastic Mr. Fox with Wes Anderson followed the production around and took like his own video and cut it into like a 20 minute, like short documentary. And, um, I forget the exact turn of phrase, but he's speaking in French and he says that, um, <laughs> basically Bob Balaban's, uh, outfit inspired so much jealousy from everyone on set because they all thought he looked so cool and no one else got to look that cool. And he's <laughs> dude, got like that pretty sweet. He's got that like fire engine red pea coat and he's wearing like fingerless gloves and that green hat. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're reminded like this is the middle of the summer yeah. <laughs> and summer in New England. You don't need that. No, <laughs> It's probably breezier and a little cooler on a small island, but still. Unless you're a gnome. But yes, I, I always liked that weird playing with the fourth wall thing where he's mm-hmm. the narrator, but also. He, he exists is, in the world. Yes. Yeah, that it's oh, it's so weird. And I guess also is an instructor and like he Cart- cartology, right? right? Yeah, he's he gave him the cartography badge or whatever he says. Yeah, cartology, yeah. Right, of course, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, great map movie. It is a, it is every time they show the map, I'm like, oh, I'm like real into it. I don't know why. It is good, but map. I, I really so like tactile. That. It is one of my favorite all time maps. Uh, And one of my favorite all-time map moments is when they're in the canoes at night, which is an amazing-looking scene anyway. Mm -hmm. And then it goes to the map, and the map's in night mode. Yes. Yes. Uh Oh, wow. It's so good. Are there other good map movies? I know we have good stare movies. Oh, yeah. Sleepless in Seattle is a really good one. This one's Uh, better. Raiders of the Lost Ark is a good map movie. Oh, that is a good one. I just liked when I get to see... Almost Heroes, good map movie. Yeah. When you get to see a map, I feel like it really... Well, it gives me an understanding of where like the characters are and like the geography and like the limits of the world. I, and I don't know, it like I like it a lot. 
Mm. I think it was important for this movie too because yeah. Yeah, there was just it's a real sense of place. Yeah. The road to El Dorado. Yeah. For a fictional island, <laughs> I think of like... any movie that has a map. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah. Next thought. Uh, for a movie about a fictional place that they didn't film on something that was necessarily equivalent, they pieced it together from sets and different exterior locations around Rhode Island, I guess. Um, it really does feel like a cohesive, yeah, this feels like the island when they show them on the map. And when they show the characters in their location, like, yes, that that totally matches what I feel like that should look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a very believable island. Yeah. And uh, then for Lebanon's like on a separate island, right? Yeah. They had to go across like a little, yeah, some kind of body of water to get to it, right? Yeah. I don't know if it's an island. It might be like mainland. Yeah, yeah. but it's a separate. Yeah. It's not connected. Right. Um, so uh, while we're talking about the map and how fun and tactile that feels, another big thing in Wes Anderson movies or close-ups of stationary um, letters, correspondence, and, and this has a, an all-time great correspondence montage mm. when they finally find the letters and then it goes into the back and forth between Sam and Susie that's kind of cut off at like the like the TikToks that you see, like perfectly cut screams and whatever. It's like perfectly cut mid-sentence right at, you know, the funniest parts pretty much. And yes. It has such a rhythm. It's rat-a-tat, man. Yeah, it's, it's and I up. like that their letters they send are like text messages kind yeah, of. Yeah, one of them was yeah. like, no, yeah. not when, really. When? When? Question yeah, when? Where? <laughs> where? Yeah. yeah, they're very much like text messages, but they're letters instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a good sequence. Yeah, it is, and it is, and it has a lot of like pathos to it too because it's talking about... You know, you you get what they're where they are in their correspondence and why how it's building and stuff. And there's just like the snippet of I think you should think of their faces every day, right? Into like her, her like just there's like a paired back to back where they both start a fight with someone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really good. Even like the whole like flow of that, where you know, because it starts with he he's run away and we don't know what's going on, and then. It's slowly building to like him meeting her and then us finding the letters and figuring out they are making this connection. And then it ends, I think, with them meeting in that field. Yeah. Or maybe that's around the same time, but so that's where there's, the flopped. adventure starts. Yeah, that's where their adventure starts, but that sequence doesn't play out till they find the letters later. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that's kind of um, chronologically, but in the movie, that is how it goes. But it's nighttime when they find the letters. And then they cut to them in the field, and that was like earlier. Yes, I guess. Yep. And then it shows you that day into night from their perspective. Yeah, yeah. So it feels like more days than are actually there because mm-hmm. it shows you the adults all day looking for them, and then their day, I guess. Well, I, like I, I might he, have I might have that wrong. Yeah, but. I like how he found her though. He just walked into the like woman's dressing room. He <laughs> was like, it seems "What kind of bird great. are you?" Yeah. Like, well, she, he's like, "No, you." Yes. <laughs> I love that. What kind of bird are you? And you know, childhood is just figuring out what kind of bird you are, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then she gets downgraded to a blue jay or something after she beats yeah. somebody up. So right? funny. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's uh, one of the letters, right? And I'm and I'm joking. That's just some of my projecting faux pretentiousness onto it. Um, yeah, that's... Yeah, that's just like a funny line to deadpan. It's like, yeah, got replaced. And there's so many people in that production of Noah's Ark. <laughs> yes, she laughs every time because when Sam like leaves, there's like a huge line of animals like all yes. in pairs for there. And he's just like interesting. Yes, <laughs> yeah, and it's just it's just Wes Anderson showing off with all these different like weird costumes and all the different colors going on. Sam walking through, and there's always just people doing something funny or strange in the background or just hanging out or whatever. They're doing the budget for the film, and they're like, um, why why do we need five costume designers it's like don't worry about it like they're all just wearing boy scout clothing right <laughs> well <laughs> we need about 45 animals yeah. in pairs yeah. they're all different we want yeah. this to be biblically accurate yeah. <laughs> it's in pairs though so it's only actually like 25 different ones yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, that's uh that's a good on ramp to talk about the music in this movie which i think is really unique and really wonderful it's <laughs> I don't even um, remember the music. So it's Alexander Desplat is the actual guy who's doing the music and the composer who worked on it. And he is getting a big assist from 
Benjamin Britten is the composer that the like the the child recording keeps saying, and now Britten brings in the tuba and stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's uh, Alexander Desplat, who's worked with Wes Anderson a bunch of times, taking from the Britten operas and fugues and sort of infusing that all together. And um, yeah, the kind of like the children's chorus or the children's choir rather that is sort of omnipresent throughout the movie and that kind of like twinkly sort of almost classical kind of vibe with the repeated use of that weird song about like the Indian maid at the <laughs> general store or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. I just think it's really cool. The The music in this is, uh, I, I don't always super notice music because I just sort of absorb it. Mm-hmm. But having watched this one a bunch of times, that's one of the things I pick up on on later viewings. Yeah, I've only seen it the two times, and I feel like the music isn't something that usually stands out to me, but I feel like it's because there's just a lot going on in this movie. Um, well, it gets really intense at some points, you know? Like it, like their little wedding scene that they have, and mm-hmm. I don't know. There's there's certain points in the movie where it's real intense, and the movie the music is wicked intense to kind of match it. I like that, sl- that slow motion flourish when they're coming out of the, I guess, chapel? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I but they like- forgot the binoculars. He had to go back. Mm-hmm. They would have made it to that know. shrimp boat. <laughs> <laughs> like the fact that that's like the plan. <laughs> gonna go live on a shrimp boat. <laughs> yeah, it's the dream. Yeah, I love that. Like, so I, say, I think Jason Schwartzman is just supposed to be like, like a large child. I guess because I it's a terrible he, idea for an adult to have. I assume he's supposed to be like seventeen. You know what I mean? Like. I, I don't With know. The full though. porn stash. <laughs> the full porn stash. <laughs> and this is this is what the year after Scott Pilgrim or two years after Scott Pilgrim or something. Twelve. It's around that. That's yeah. my fee. That's my fee. <laughs> There's just so much happening. I feel like in this movie because yeah. I feel like there's so much happening with like all the characters too. Because I feel like all the characters have like just so much going on with them. You know, between like the affair and like the the marriage and then them trying to deal with Susie and um, yeah, even like Ed Norton is like, he has this little arc about him, like not confident in his scout mastering abilities. You know what I mean? <laughs> that like culminates with him, like jumping into the flaming building. <laughs> A stunt he performed himself, I think. Oh. After, and I like that the other guy just rips his like badge <laughs> off him. I feel stripped of his rank. Command. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the other guy there is uh, Harvey Keitel wearing shorts. Very funny. <laughs> he looks weird in shorts, man. Mm. It's like that's the wolf from Pulp Fiction. Shouldn't be wearing shorts. Uh, <laughs> I'll let me put it that way. Yeah. Um. Damn. Yeah. Cool movie. Yeah. One well, one thing I do would want to like actually a sequence I want to kind of draw in on. Um. Two two came to mind as I was start setting up this sentence. So first off, just to keep it chronological. I really love um, the kind of paired conversations when Susie goes back home and Sam's in the boat, Susie talking to Frances McDormand and the kind of conversation they have while she's in the bath. Mm -hmm. And then Bruce Willis not really knowing how to talk to kids and just like getting Sam drunk. Yeah, giving him booze. (laughs) And those are both really, really cool sequences that are just don't feel like, you know, there's, there's those scenes aren't really in other movies that, also feel like this because nothing else feels like this. I don't know how to put it, but I just really liked those scenes. It, yeah, it is interesting because it, it's like, they're like kind of like emotional scenes, which is odd because so much of the movie is just like hilarious. Um, but they are really good, especially like Susie with her mom and like, you know, you can tell the mom's like kind of trying, but like, yeah. you know, can only she's do so sucks. much. Yeah, she's like doing her best kind of thing. I, I feel like in a worse movie, they'd be having like a screaming match. And when exactly. she says, like, I hate you, and she says, you just say that because you're trying to hurt me. And she goes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I, know, I know what you do with that sad, dumb cop. He's, yeah. He's not dumb. I guess he is sad. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Um, I, I just, I like that Bruce, Bruce's, Bruce Will, well, his name's not Bruce in the movie, but the cop was just treating him like any, like a normal person, which I mm-hmm. feel like is what, he needed yeah yeah because like that's how like yeah for you sure know, he instead of everyone else being like treating him different because he's you know different he was just like yeah okay yeah here's some beer 
you uh, want, want a slug? This, this is how this works, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to treat you like a person. And yeah. Uh, yeah. He'll probably turn out way better that way. Yeah. You see, yeah. Uh, he just feels so bad for him and he just wants to, like, mm-hmm. you know, give him some connection. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel like that is a, it's a really good scene because they really both are kind of getting what they need. You know what I mean? Because even Susie's mom is like, She's not doing the best, but at least she's not being like, you know, her kid just ran away and stuff and she's not like being a dick. She's yeah. not like yelling at her kid or anything. She's just she's like grounded um, or anything. Yeah. She, you know what I mean? She's just talking to her and stuff. Yeah. And I, I love the last scene that Frances McDormand and Bruce Willis have together where she says like, I have to try and I have to be better for everyone. Mm-hmm. He goes, but not for me. <laughs> yeah. Not for you. Yeah. He goes, I think you will be. And like, that's it. And that's, those scenes are very common in like mumblecore indie movies, but this is like the furthest thing from that mm-hmm. just about um, vibes wise sometimes. So it's, it's just cool to see that. So effectively deployed here. And then the last sequence that I wanted to talk about uh, the climax of the movie when they're when the floods come and they've all run to the church and uh, that whole thing's really cool. I like how I like that color blue when it's all blue and they're on the roof. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> very big contrast to the the yellow yeah yes it's dark and blue and everyone's yelling and yeah it's, it's like an actual like dramatic climax to yes this movie and it really is uh it's an interesting move and they've I accepted potential death to jump off they're like well yeah uh, yeah we might die but i guess you Worth know it. yeah mm-hmm. yeah i like that like uh, uh bruce willis is like arguing with social services over like the walkie talkie the whole time. And, yeah. uh, Bill Murray and, uh, Francis McDormand are like giving him like legal advice over the walkie talkie and like <laughs> yeah. telling social services, like how they're going to like win this legally and things like that. And like, I don't know. It's, it is nice. Cause it is, it's like all our characters are like together. They're all working together and like, yeah, and I think we all remember that feeling of just like I don't care, I'll I'll die right now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like this this matters more mm-hmm. to me than living. Yes. tomorrow. <laughs> mm-hmm. How old he's supposed to be? What twelve? Yeah, I think he's supposed to be twelve. He's like twelve going on forty. Yeah, twelve going on forty. Yeah, <laughs> old souls. Yes, mm-hmm. that's just that's what just what they called kids before they developed proper diagnoses. <laughs> yes, yes, it's <laughs> very mm-hmm. true. It is. It's so true. But yeah, and yeah, kind of happy ending. That's that ending sequence is is really when the music they they just hit you over the head with the children's choir, and it's such very very cool. I like how he just has to like climb out of her window and escape. Yeah, it's like the parent, like her dad probably still hasn't accepted him. No, no. But I bet they like know. I assume yeah. they, they assume they, they knew. but no. they pretend to be upset, like upset with That's him. That's what I assume too, because yeah. the they see the cop parked outside. The, yeah. Bruce Willis is waiting day. outside during the day. Also, how do you not hear someone? Else? Like they're probably talking. It's a house. They don't have like. Yeah. A lot of electronics, really. And they're all sitting like at the table. They probably see him drop by the window. I assume they know. And it's like the idea is that like things are better for both of them because he he has like a a good foster parent. And it seems I assumed her home life has gotten better because they're kind of letting this happen. And they're calling her for dinner and she comes right away. Like because they say something like because I think there was an earlier scene where she doesn't come down or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was her like kind of trying to They're good for each other yeah i love how the mom uses the megaphone all the yeah. time too. Yeah. <laughs> you guys said once you finish that basement it's three floors you're gonna Gotta need that megaphone it, yeah. definitely in the megaphone <laughs> i like that scene of him like dressed as the cop like leaving because it made me think of the mom having the affair like with the cop sneaking yep. around you know absolutely so it was yeah. just like a mini version of that now yeah yeah that's uh it's a it's a great ending to the movie and yeah mm-hmm. it's, it feels like kind of bittersweet I don't know why, because the whole movie feels bittersweet because mm-hmm. it's this whole, you know, this golden summer thing that, you know, it has to end eventually, but whatever. <laughs> and now Susie has tetanus. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That feels like a very true moment when Francis Dorn's like, how are we going to get these fish hooks out of your ears? <laughs> yes. Uh. <laughs> That's the whole purpose of hooks. They're supposed to stay in there. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> How you break off the end, right? If you um, can, yeah. I've, I I know people who have stu- had stuff like that happen to them. You use um pliers because you can you cut the oh yeah the sharp part and then you pull back. Yeah, you got. <laughs> no, she's keeping them forever. But yeah, I love the um 
the the finish where it makes you think that he's like doing a portrait of them or whatever, and but he's just painting, you know, the beach. Yes, with, with the Moonrise Kingdom rocks. Mm-hmm. And that's a really nice ending. Yeah, <laughs> great movie. I'd give it four and a half beetle earrings out of five. Yeah, let's get into it. What do you think? Oh, oh, what do I think? Um. I'm going to give it a uh, five out of five Shawshank escapes. <laughs> Ray, you got one? Uh, I think we'll go five out of five cans and nickels. Uh, five lefty scissors out of five. Oh. Um, I love this movie. Um, so there is a quote from Wesley Morris. He was still working in the Boston Globe when he reviewed this movie. And he says, the achievement here is the marriage of that resonant pathos with Anderson's peerless sense of graphic design. You see all his influences, the French movies and Norman Rockwell to start with, and you know he's seen those films and paintings and wanted desperately to climb inside them. Anderson inspires the same gluttonous spectatorship. You want to eat his movies. You want to wear them. And that's how I feel about this movie, pretty much. I just, just feel just like, want to hang out in it. I just feel like this movie does everything it wants to do perfectly. Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. Basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't. No notes. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I wouldn't. I can't tell you anything I'd ever change about this movie. Yeah, I love it. I love the you know the, the style, everything about it. You do. You do have to be into the. the you got to vibe with it. You got to be into its style. It is its own thing. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. very specific. I think. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I think he's. I don't know. I probably still love Grand Budapest more. I do. I, I, like, I like Grand when Budapest. when I'm watching this movie. I can't imagine liking another movie more than it, but uh, yeah, I think I probably watched that movie. You gotta watch Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, I do think it's better than this, Um, and I love I love this movie. I really I don't I don't say I wouldn't say like blows this out of the water or anything. It's like the same kind of vibe and style and stuff, but I don't know what it is. I think it's the the duo in it. It's another duo going on a little adventure. Yeah. I, I like them a little bit better than I like Susie and Sam. Yeah, is what I think sells me the movie. Oh sure, yeah, I think. Rushmore's probably still his like crowning achievement, maybe. But we we'll see, see as time Anderson. goes on. We always say that too, because we've only seen the two and we love both of them. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll do more of him soon. That one's set at a school, and we do need to do some school movies in the fall. So. Oh, wow. Um yeah. Mean girls. That's, that's that'll be coming up. That'll be coming up soon. Oh, everybody's watched it though. Yeah, who hasn't seen well, mean that's girls? the problem. Like, yeah, I think Robbie's even seen it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's the real barometer. We're gonna have to get <laughs> like oh, a thirteen-year-old to, to get onto the podcast. Yeah, we need someone or someone really old or someone really young. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, those scores that we just did—that's for our Letterboxd page. You can find that on Letterboxd.com. Search for Late to the Movies. That's the number. Same deal with the uh, Instagram Late to the Movies underscore Podcast. Gmail's Late to the Movies at gmail.com you can find us on Podbeans and nowhere else uh, I think you're also Stitcher iTunes Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Spotify um, Public. we have a storefront Greg's face is on one of the shirts there's only a few left we've already sold several thousand um, and that's pretty pretty much it I don't know thanks guys thanks thanks Bye. I usually try and think of like a good bit, but I don't know. I just like this movie a lot. So it's so good. It's a great movie and I gotta pee. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's go. I'll, you can use my bathroom if you want. Just imagine Thank I'm you. throwing a turtle and that's like signifying the end of it. Someone's <laughs> already named this one. Yeah. <laughs>